but like, I wish I had like a button. Bah! You're a person, a human in the world. Mm -hmm. What is the next step for you as Laura, the individual outside of kids, outside of husband, just you? Mm -hmm. What is going on? Welcome to the Wake Up Warrior podcast. I have Laura Allison with me today. Laura, say hi to the people. Hi, people. Yeah, so um, just so you know, I guess I'm, I'm John McMiller, all that stuff. You guys know who I am. I have a great human with us today. Uh, Laura, actually, I met her through her son, Colton, and then with working with her daughter, Callie, who I don't know, Laura, how you were able to raise two. And I know Jay and Megan are also uh, amazing humans, but I, I've worked with a lot of great people, but... Uh, Colton and Callie for sure have just stood out in so many ways. So I definitely want to learn more about like you as a parent, but also we talked to Kim a little, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the third chapter and uh, you're on the brink of the empty nesting. Um, so I definitely want to just learn more about that journey, but please tell the folk a little bit more about you. I know that you're in education. So obviously the Wake Up Warrior podcast is about parents, teachers, and leaders. And Laura is one of our unicorns because she's a parent, a teacher, and has been in leadership roles. So tell us a little bit about that before we dive into all the fun stuff. Okay. So let's see. I am, I'm kind of calling myself right now a recovering educator. Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm on a little- Is the hangover that bad? Yeah, I'm, I'm on a little sabbatical um, okay. right right now trying to like sort things out. But um, up until a couple months ago, um, I was a school, like a school leader. I worked um, for a charter school, K through 12 school um, here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Prior to that, I worked in Florida um, in high schools and middle schools. So I've been in education now for creeping up on a decade. Um, so I'm kind of taking a little pause. Um, Post pandemic has been tough. Um, with that, um, I kind of came into education in a non-traditional way before that I was going to school to be, um, to work in mental health therapy, like community mental health, which essentially um, is like teaching in a lot of ways. It is. Like, like you don't, they can't be that off having to deal with 20 different personalities from 20 different backgrounds from like that cannot be too far off. So it's probably an easy transition. Absolutely. And connecting, I think, is the one thing that I was able to bring in. It's like connecting with my students because I knew how to connect with people. So that was super helpful. But um, so that's kind of like my professional history. Um, I'm a mil military wife, retired Army. My husband was active duty Army for 20 years. So we spent a big chunk of time hopping all over the United States and deployments and kids. And so kind of uh, my favorite chapter of insanity is what I call it. Um, but I wouldn't wow. trade it for anything. So all of those things kind of put me here with, um, four great kids. Um, my love two bonus all. kids, yes, two bonus kids, um, love them. And then two, two, two kids by traditional birth. So. Wow. Okay. I'm not even going to go into that. <laughs> I have one of those. Um, so you said that it was a little, like there was a weird jump or there, like, you found your way in education. I cut you off, but so how did you go from mental health into teaching? What was that? What was the, uh, I guess, ignition or catalyst for that? 
essentially moving um, was the big mm. catalyst. So um, John was, we were essentially moving from Colorado where he was um, a local police department, working as a local police officer. We were moving to Florida because he wanted to kind of go back to where he came from prior to the army fun stuff. Um, and in the transition, when I got down there, like the licensure changing was just, it was a lot. I would have really had to almost get another master's degree to do it. And at the time, I had a middle school child and a you know elementary school kid, and I was like, I do not. I'm I'm tired. I've you know done all this. I'm ready to just kind of work for a while. So I, I ended up um, into educa- education kind of that way. And it, it's got to be cool to have the same kind of schedule school like time wise as your kids, especially when the family's on the move as much as you guys were. Yeah, it was that. That's probably one of the biggest selling points for me in coming in was that. I was able to like have summers to travel to see our friends and family who now live all over the United States. Um, and I had the ability to like be home in the evenings with them for sure. We had like Christmas break together. So it kind of allowed us to have more time together, especially coming from, um, I didn't work, uh, through like full time, um, through most of John's career, just because it just felt virtually impossible. Um, so I did like, I was a substitute teacher. I did all these things to kind of keep busy while he was gone, but it was nice to be able to like have a career too of my own. Yeah. That's gotta be cool. It's that, that has to make the like mothering, I don't want to say better, but does it feel, did it feel good to have something kind of for yourself? Was that like, was that, I can only imagine being a stay. I was like a stay at home dad for like a, like a weird little bit and I much love the people who love that because it was miserable for me so was that something that you felt found as like a positive outlet for you kind of getting into the workforce yeah I think I was like ready for the transition to have something that because like they were at the place where they needed me less and less so you know at this point they're you know Colton's in the middle school um, Callie is in school all day. You know, she's in like late up elementary school, third, fourth grade. So it was like, they needed me less and less. So I kind the way I did it was like, almost seems seamless now when I look back on it, because mm. like the whole time they were little and I was really doing the, Callie was in preschool and he was deployed to Afghanistan, Iraq. We're going through all that. I'm also like pecking on my bachelor's degree at the same time. Got it. So it's like running, like I'm taking a class. I'm working a part-time job. I'm being full-time mom slash dad slash everything. Um, and so basically as I finished my bachelor's degree, he was retiring. So then it was like, okay, let's start the transition. And then we decided I was going to get my grad, you know, my graduate degree to be a counselor. So then that was keeping me busy because that's a full-time job. Um, that was keeping me super busy. So it was like, it just, everything kind of, the analogy of the door always opened at the right time. And it sounds like it just kept aligning, 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 aligning. Um, So you mentioned both Callie and Colton. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say two of my favorite people in the world. Um, Jay, you're awesome as well. Megan, I haven't met, I haven't, I spent very little time with Megan, but um, the way the other three talk about her uh, tells me that she falls in line with the culture of the family. Like you guys, um, you and John have done such an amazing job, especially when it comes to Colton and Callie. And I think as a parent of one kid, you know, understanding how I've had to tailor my parenting 
to her to try and like help her grow and thrive. How were you able to manage the different personalities? Like what are some of the things, some advice, especially that you would give to parents of multiple kids, right? I can speak from girl dad and one, you know, one kid, but what would you say is some of the things that you saw as like pillars of raising multiple kids? What are some suggestions you might give? I think one of the things that John and I did really early, I mean, probably shortly after Callie came into the world, um, we decided that like, we really sat down and we went, well, we were in like marriage counseling at the time. We hit that place where he's gone constantly. We have two kids. He shows up and suddenly we're a one kid family too. Now, look, here's a seven month old baby crawling through the house. So we had a lot of, um, it was time for us to have like a lot of hard conversations around like what's next, you know, um, and what it looks like as two different people parenting. And so one of the things we just established right away is that our goal with all four of our kids is that we wanted them to be happy and what happy looked like for them necessarily wouldn't be what happy looked like for us, you know, um, that, but what truly brought them joy into their existence. So that was like the fundamental thing. Every time we've hit anything with any one of the four, it's like, is this going to make them happy? We may not understand it, but is this going to make them happy? You know? And so we've kind of leaned into that and helping kind of support that. And then understanding they're all four different people. So the relationship I have with, you know, Megan is not the same relationship I have with Callie and the relationship I have with Colton is not the same I have with Jay and vice versa, because they're individuals. They're, they're, they're your, they're your own like unique person. Um, so I deal with you different than I deal with the next person I have a conversation with. So we just established that really early. Like this is their personality. This is who they are. You know, um, a good example is like Jay and Colton, you know, both like, love to play sports, very close in age. And we immediately determined like Colton loves to wrestle. Jay loved to play lacrosse. Like, and that's just who they were. Like it wasn't one was better or different than the other. It just leaned in to like the person that they were. And, and like, we all know Callie's like our super competitive one out of the whole four, you know, With she's our a doubt competitive and intense. And so we leaned into that and, you know, we, we said, this is who you, who you are, and this is your personality. With it's come a lot of trial and error, though, you know, because there's sometimes where we don't understand or we don't get it. But um, the biggest thing is just they're different people. I love and, that part of it. To me, that's like, I think I look at Ava that way. I think I had this assumption of how I was going to parent and then quickly learned that if I was going to be good at parenting, that I had to be a little bit more adaptive to what she needed. Not like I was like, I honestly thought that gift giving was going to be a really good thing. I think I learned early on that her love languages were more words of affirmation and quality time. You know, like you could spend a ton of money. I think kids in general, like gift giving is good, but like a cardboard box could be a really great gift. So like the amount of money doesn't really matter as much as like, but for her quality time and words of affirmation have, are way above beyond a phenomenal gift um, or an, I guess an expensive gift. And so when you say like just understanding how to manage the different personalities and understanding what they want, that hits home. Do you see a, what is the word, I guess, do you see a connection between that? And then when you were managing adults, 
is it pretty much the same or do you feel it was different yeah. for you? No, I think that's like really walking into any situation and realizing that everybody's their own person. So what, what you can't show up to any experience without bringing your, your own, I don't want to use the term baggage, but your own stuff Batch. with you. No, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like how you got here is not, no, no one's journey is the same. So even four kids with, you know, same parenting, their journey is different. They met different people, different things happened at different times to them. So it's just kind of showing up and saying like, Hey, we're different. We're just different. And, and our, you know, we always said, John, I always said like, we just want to raise good humans. We just want to raise good humans. We just want to raise good humans. And, and the rest so, will take care of itself. It will. Like at the end of the day, when you're looking at something like, does this make them a better human? Yes. Okay. You know, um, and whatever that looks like. And so I think that's, that, that's the fundamental part. And then knowing that you can't handle them exactly the same, like, you know, you have to have a core set of values. Like these are things we don't do in our house. You know, these are like the cultural rules of engagement. Like we don't yell at each other. We don't touch each other, you know, and everybody respects this, but it still looks different with each person, you know, oh, the way that wow. you approach them. I do like that. Like the, here are the overall standards of the family and then how we, so if I'm hearing you correct, like here are the standards of the family and then how we deal with crossing those boundaries is different, but also how we deal with praise and all of those things is also different based on the person. Yeah. Yes. Like like, I've never really looked at it that way. Like this is the standard. However, we have to understand that there is different execution of both praise and I don't want to say punishment, but discipline within those standards. This is the left and right. And inside that left and right, there's a little bit more fluidity. Yeah. It's like the concept of like logical parenting. So it's like, I, okay. A prime example is like a little kid. Like if I want my little kid to pick up toys, you know, what am I going to do besides a sticker on the chart? Like I want them to understand that there's value in respecting our things and why do we want to respect our things and having freedom of choice and free will. And so we always just approach it with the idea of you may break a rule, but we never called them rules, but you may break a rule. There'll be natural consequences for that, but it's not the same. It's not like you were back talked. So give me your phone. You're off your phone for four days. Like, I don't think, I, I don't think my kids have ever had their cell phones taken away, you know, because that just didn't connect for us. Like the consequence had to be natural for the, the consequence had to naturally fit the the crime, so to speak. Like, you know, um, Colton, for example, in middle school, middle school boy, like would get, got up. I caught him a couple of nights up in the middle of the night playing PlayStation. And so I was like, oh, this is easy to solve. When I go to bed, I'll take the plug with me. You know, and then he said, well, that's not fair. And I'm like, but it is fair because I pay for the electricity. It's a natural consequence, you know. And then shortly after that, it was a phase, you know, middle school boy phase. Um, you won't have that that luxury, Joe, but um, middle school boy phase. So once we got through that, it was fine. But there was no big deal about it. There was no like you're grounded, you're restricted. It was me helping him regulate his decision. And then the plug went back in one day. He didn't even know it went back in but he didn't get up in the middle of the night because he'd worked his way through it. We'd talked about it. We'd had conversations about it. So 
that's kind of how we always did things with them. It's just like, we're just going to talk about this. And they'll tell you, I probably talk them till they're blue in the face. Like all Love it. of them. Even the now, ones are you, Were you okay with why? Were you okay with, like, I'm, I'm really okay with why. Um, and, and so, so it seems like you are. So what, what do you think? I mean, again, you having four, like you've, you've been trialed and uh, you've been tested. Um, why do you think, why do you think it was so important? Well, for one, it kept me in check when they were little, you know, I like, I love my parents, especially my dad, but my dad was definitely the, because I said so guy. Um, that was like the core philosophy. So and he's always like, there were times I'm like, this doesn't even make sense, you know? And so that's why, and, and John's parents were very similar, you know, that generation. So that was something we always talked about is like, we didn't want to be the, because I said so parents. Like if I couldn't give you justification for what I'm doing or I'm saying, then I probably need to step back and reflect on what I'm doing and what I'm saying. So if I my had kids to do that me, so many times, so yeah, many times. Look at you, like why? And you're like, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I just got to walk away right now. It was know? said to me and it was said to them and it was said to them. And there was a reason there. Like I've done some like weird research based on those. Like, like, for instance, like no jumping on the bed, like really made sense when all the beds had springs in them. So you could actually ruin the bed by jumping on it. So that's why. But now, like with, you know, platform, uh, you know, with platform box springs and, you know, the, the Thera mattress, you don't really need that. Or like uh, elbows on the table. That came from like you could literally the way tables were built, you could literally flip someone's table by putting your elbows on it. So like. You could ruin the entire meal by putting your elbows on the table. Not really something that we need to worry about now. Now, is it, you know, etiquette? Yeah, okay. Understand why. But also giving Ava the, the not autonomy, but the understanding. Of, like at the house, I don't really care. Understand in the different setting, though, that it is proper etiquette. And like me understanding why we don't do it has allowed me to really be able to like, one, educate her. But also, two, I think the depth of why I'm asking to do something. I think she resonates with that. Is that something that you saw? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like having the discussion and the dialogue back and forth, you know, um, and sometimes that, you know, they're very convincing. Callie's exceptionally convincing at getting you to change your mind. Trust me, um, I've been there. <laughs> you know, like she's the PowerPoint kid, you know, like these are all the reasons why, you know, we should go on this vacation or these are all the reasons why, you know, we should put a pool in the backyard, you know, um, but just having that ability to have that discussion and kind of share their perspectives and their opinion. And then me being able to say, you're right, I'm wrong. Um, and so that was a big thing is, is um, learning to say you're sorry to your kids. Um, and it's, it's not easy. Like, but they're especially like being a single mom with a husband who is being shot at daily, working, you know, part-time job, going to college, having two very kids, there are moments where like, I would just, the top would come off, you know, cause I'm tired. I'm not sleeping. I'm, you know, and then I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then, so that's when I had to sit down and explain like, mom's lost control of our emotions right now. Like, just give me a minute, you know? Um, and at, like Colton saw that first. And so then I can clearly remember like John was gone. I don't even remember what happened. I think they were arguing about something and I was like, that's it. Go to your rooms. We, we need a timeout. And I was very loud. And 
probably dropped a few curse words in there too. And Callie was about four years old and she went running down the hallway and Colton went behind her. And so I went outside and I took, you know, I took my, my minutes and I went back in and I went down the hallway and I could hear him saying to her, it's okay. Mom's not mad at us. It's just hard for her. She works really hard. So we need to, we need to let her have a minute. And then I came in and I'm that like, kid, I'm crying. I'm calling. I love that kid. I absolutely love that kid. But because he'd seen me have a moment before and I'd been very transparent, like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I, I need to work on this. This is a mom thing. It's getting, you know, but in these really stressful times. And so he knew, so he didn't take it personally. So we helped each other learn how to navigate that stuff. So they taught me as much as I taught them, probably more, to be frankly honest. I love that. a million times more. I love that. I definitely associate with that on a massive basis, only just because to the one thing that sticks out is just the fact that you're honest with your kids and open about like not being perfect. I think there is this idea that parents don't make mistakes and, you know, they're infallible. And, you know, especially in the do what I say in the, because I said so type world, it, it looks like a parent could never, how can I associate with you if it looks like you are always making mistakes and I'm never making mistakes. It feels like we're from two different worlds. Yeah. Um. So it, it's, that's so wild. Okay. So you have two great kids that you, four great kids, two great kids that were in the house just recently. And now you're down to one. And that one only has a few months left. The third chapter, which we talked about with Kim, is kind of like, you know, life after having, you know, kids that you're, I guess, dealing with managing on a regular basis. And obviously they don't go away. But I know for a fact, summers were sports. During the school year, you have, you're you're running kids around on a regular basis. Uh, I know how involved you and John are. Cause I was sitting at the games with you. I mean, like you guys don't miss stuff. And so with so much of your time being wrapped up in other humans, and now it's just you and John, tell me about the anticipation, the anxiety, tell me about the preparation for the empty nest or that third chapter. So there's like so many aspects to it. And I think this, this like last probably definitely last few months has been like reconnecting and talking about like he and I spent a lot more time talking about like, okay, it's here. It's, it's you know, it's coming. Uh, and not that we were caught by surprise. Cause like we've been having conversations, but like, this is like the reality, you know, like the knocking at the doors there. Um, one, I think the biggest things is uh, for us has been always trying to make sure that like, we're still plugged into our relationship. Because I've had so you know a few, so many friends and people I knew or acquaintances where like their kids leave and they can't make it like their They're relationship strangers. is yes it's like who are you and what are you doing in my house you know even though you've been there for thirty years but it's like because suddenly you're in a different place like your life is not about somebody else so I feel like that's one thing John and I've done always done a really good job preparing for probably because we both, you know, kind of come from families where the parents were divorced. So we were always like, we're going to just make sure we invest some time in this relationship because 
this has to be the forever, right? You know, like they're going to go have their own forevers and not that we're still not the forever, but we're not the forever anymore. Um, so we're the forever, you know? And so we've always spent time like investing in our relationship, but also in our friendship. Like, like there's nobody I'd rather hang out with than him. That's you know? so dumb. Um, so that I think is exciting for us because now we can just hang out together all the time. Now, how have next you September? And I might be like, I'm not sure about this but <laughs> right now. It's like the best ever. Well, how do you, I mean that with, okay. So let me back up with the schedules that you guys have. He works a ton with the kids uh, still being super involved with, with Callie, especially and Colton, super close um, and still developing relationships with, I mean, I see you guys at the games and stuff um, with Colton. How do you, I guess, strategically or in, intentionally get time now with still busy schedules? Like, do you guys have like a, like, what's the system? If someone's listening and like, I'm having trouble connecting with my wife or husband, what's a system that seems to work for you guys? You have to put it on the calendar. Um, and it can be, it doesn't have to be, I think the, the, the biggest fallacy is it doesn't have to be something huge and elaborate. Like, I mean, yes, J John and I have been fortunate the last couple of years, especially as the kids have gotten older, like we can go on these fun trips together, just the two of us. But when they were little, that wasn't happening. Not a thing. Um, so not a thing. Um, so it's just always been like, we're putting it on the calendar. Like we're going to like go to dinner once or twice a month. Or for us, it's something as simple as like taking a walk. Like we're going to go. Like we burned up the streets in Florida. Like it'd be like, okay, we're home from work. Dinner's done. We're hitting the road and we're going for a walk. We're going for a bike ride or anything we could do to like just the two of us have some quality time. We would go to the grocery store together because um, you have the trip to the store. You have the trip home from the store, you know, um, go to coffee, go to breakfast, so wherever we could like fit it in. But we, we've, we've always been very cognizant about like, we need to have at least a couple hours a week where we're just talking. And then when we were working and at the peak of everything, we always had like our debrief time while John was commuting home. So that was like the phone call. He would call me, I would call him. And it would, that's when we were talking about what's for dinner, who needs to go to the store, who's taking Cali to practice, who's going to, you know, pick Colton up from this. That was our like, this is the... This is the time. Either it was before work or after work, but we always did it every day. And we would just say like, all right, so what's going on today? What's the plan? Um, and that's probably John's military piece in there. But he was always like, where do you need me to be? And what time do you need me to be there? Do I need to pick anything up? What car do I need to take? You know, um, you have trained so him I, well. I was the organizer. He was the executor. You know, like he was just really good at going and being where he needed to be, picking up here, sitting in the car. Like he's the, I'll sit in the car for four hours, dad. Whereas I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't sit in one place for four hours. It's a great so, dude. Um, so we always had that piece, but just making sure we said we put this time together um, that we're going to spend and not just talking about the kids, you know, because um, that's so easy to like, especially when you have four of them, um, we could sit and talk about them all day long um, just because we're, you know, we're so happy for them, proud of them and excited for the things they have coming. But like talking about like, our jobs and what we wanted to do and, you know, really starting to dream about what the next chapter looked like long time ago. Um, and that's morphed a million different times because, you know, life changes and things yeah. happen, but we've always said like, we know that we want to do certain things. And so we are just kind of, we've always leaned into that, like, and 
thought about it and planned it forever, I feel like. So it sounds like you and John, solid going into the next chapter. Mm-hmm. What about for Laura? Like you've, again, you've had John, you've had the kids. How do you, I guess, what's the, again, what's the anticipation? What's the preparation? What does the next chapter look for you specifically? That is probably the hardest part. Okay. Like that's, that's the hardest part. Cause talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, there's like this, um, letting go because that's natural and that's what you need to do. And we've done it so many times before now, but I think this is like the baby. So letting go the last time is big. Um, and also knowing that like you're still parenting. Like I think there's this kind of misconception that's like, Oh, you know, your kids are 18. You know, you know, like I know everybody's probably seen recently like the meme of like, you know, when my kids are 30, that I want them to come over for dinner and I want them to please. have me cook their dinner. And AJ, you know, I don't care. Yes. Bring your laundry over. And like, I mean, Colton, I always say like, bring your laundry home this weekend, you know, um, just because that's like, for me, that's my connection to them. Right. Is for me, I love to do these things for them. So like, I don't want that to go away. But I think a big part of like the next chapter for me is still being able to be a part of their life, like still being able to not like be in their life, you know, <laughs> but being able to like go see them when they're doing big things, you know, and they want um, you around essentially. Yeah. Like, you know, Callie's going to be playing ball. So like, I want to be able to go watch her as much as we can, you know, Colton's about to graduate college and we're not sure what the next chapter is. Which is you know, so Megan wild. Just, yeah. Megan just had a big career change, you know? And so like, I want to be able to go and Jay just got assignment, didn't he? Cool. Yes. Cool city. Like Jay's in the Navy. He's getting ready to do his first deployment. So it's like, we want to be there when he gets off the ship, you know, because that's, that's important to us. And it's important to me. Like they're my little humans and um, they'll always be my little humans, no matter if they're 50 or 10. And I just want to like be able to be there with them through the successes and hardships too. You know, like I want them to know that just because you grew up doesn't mean it's over. Like call me when you need something. Like so I want to be able to I'm, be there to help you. I'm going to call, we're going to like, I wish I had like a button. I wish I had like a button because we've talked about you and John. And then I try to say like, like yo, yo, Laura, what are you going to do? And you're like, Oh, like, okay. I want to be with my kids, which is great. Good job. You're a great mom. Um, but let's, Act as if you're a person, a human in the world. Mm-hmm. What is the next step for you as Laura, the individual outside of kids, outside of husband, just you? Hmm. Hmm. No, that's what the, my sabbatical here is about. So okay, it's about tell me about that. Callie, yeah, it's about like letting Callie go a little bit onto her next thing and kind of moving into the emptiness, the chapter, but so like evaluating where I want to go because like, I don't, I don't think I, I'm not capable of not helping people in some way. Got it. Um, and I know that about myself. So for me, it's like reinvesting in what that looks like. So balancing this. So a, a good example is I became a teacher because it allowed me to fill my cup, hang out with some of the best kids in the world. Um, be a part of their life, get to be a part of my own kids' life. Lucky like, kids. In, in the way. end, very yeah. In kids. the end, in the end, it just balanced. 
So now what I'm looking for is something that still allows me to like put myself out there and take bigger risks, I think, um, okay. because I can do that now. Like I don't feel as, um, I don't feel as obligated to have stability because my kids are out of the house, you know, so I can kind of work and do, but I also want something that's going to let me still be able to be a part of their life. And so that means I need to be able to kind of have flexibility in where I'm working from or when I'm working and how I'm doing it. So I'm trying to align all these things that are like super important to me and that are non-negotiable into chapter three career for Laura. What, uh, what makes you most nervous about the next step? Like in, we're going to stay in that realm, right? Your kids are going to love you forever. Um, John is going to love you forever. Um, I'm going to love you forever. Uh, but what makes you most nervous for you going into the next step? Hmm. I would say probably a little imposter syndrome, you know, like, Mm. um, like I know in my heart, like my kids are phenomenal humans and that that's what I've invested like my time in. And I know that my students are phenomenal humans and I'm a part of that. So like, I know that I can do great things, but there shouldn't be a, but, and it's that self-confidence piece of, of morphing it into the next phase of my career. So building like that confidence to say like, no, you know, I do deserve this and I can do this. And, you know, I'm going to forge into this and take some risks because I'm, I've not been a very big risk taker. I've been a very good, um, like person because that has been my like anchor role in the family. It sounds like you found a box and you thrived in that box. Now that we're outside the box and the possibilities are boxless it's like, oh, I have so many choices. How do I choose what, like, so is, so the uncertainty sounds to be a little overwhelming currently. Oh, for sure. Like, especially when I first decided to do this and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm going to do this. Cause this is what's the best thing. Like so many things lined up and it was like, okay, now it's the time. And then a couple weeks into it, I was like, Oh God, what did I just do? You know, um, and then that, that overwhelming fear and sense of dread kind of hit. But then, you know, I think I'm moving past the like uncertainty and really working on the fear. Now it's just like seeing the creativity piece to see how I can reinvent myself and not letting that kind of self-confidence piece peek back in and push me back into a, a box I don't want to go into. Because like, I'm a good analogy. Is it's always nice to be like warm and safe and comfy, you know? So this time I'm saying to myself, am I doing this? Would I be doing this because it's what's best for me or what I want to do? Or am I doing this because it feels like the right thing to do? Um, because when you parent, when like you parent for so long, like you really base your decisions on, is this the right thing? Not just for me, but for our family. And so oh, for getting, sure that I get yeah, and then hitting a place where now it's like for my family, but it like, John doesn't care. Like, I mean, Facts. Like, I'm not I, like, I'm with the spouse. It's like, do whatever you want, you know? Um, so just having that ability now to say like, okay, what's right for me? Like what, what's going to fill my cup? It's, 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 it's cool. But where have, where did you start with that? And where are you with that? Cause that's, I mean, there's, that's a lot. And I can, I like just, I'm obviously not there yet, 
Um, but I could definitely see how, like, I'm starting to try and prepare for it now so that when I get there, it doesn't seem overwhelming. But just looking at that, I can, I can see that that is uh, it's a tough place to be, right? I, yeah, I think How one of the start? big things. Yeah, I think one of the big things is is I talked about like John and I've always like made these little, little, little goals or little markers, and th- they weren't very firm, but it was like when we retire from the army, we're going to do this, and when we, you know, when we when you know we do, we wanted to build a house, we just built a house, you know. So it's like all we've had all these little like things together, and so we do a really good job at like coming up to one of them saying, do we really want to do this? How much does it mean to us? Yes, we do. So let's dive in and, okay. and start, to, you know, okay, and start yeah. to break it down a little more or really want to do it. No, we don't, you know, and then it goes off the list. So I think I'm trying to do this the same the way that's always worked. So it's like, I really sat down and I was like, okay, what things are non-negotiable for me in the next chapter? Like, um, because, you know, being, being, in, being a teacher, being a school administrator, working in education right now is so hard. Um, like my last year of work was probably the hardest. It was harder than the pandemic. It was harder than my first year, to be honest. Um, and what the made first it- year of teaching is insane, you what, know, but it was made it, what's changed it or what's made it difficult. I think ways to connect with kids as a whole, because kind of pandemic different kids have different needs because that chunk of time looked different for every kid. Mm -hmm. So like kids lost the stability of education, whether that's like, you know, you know, kids went online, kids went hybrid schedules, kids went, you know, um, fully and back in the rooms, but it still didn't look the same. Like there were distance masks were up, activities were changed. Like, so every kid shows up with a different experience so when you're trying to like coach teachers and help teachers with 20 kids who are bringing in very, very different experience, I mean, kids always bring different experiences, but very different experiences. You're like essentially going back and just spending time teaching kids how to go back to school. Like when we come to school, we sit in our chair, you things that you established in kindergarten, you're reestablishing with third, fourth, fifth, even high school kids. And their attention span has went like to here just because everything was just moving at a pace where they were controlling. Like they were moving at their, a lot of them were moving at their own whim. Like I'm going to work for a little bit and then I'm going to go do what I want. And that's, and that's good. I mean, that's, that's on both ends of the spectrum. I know Ava, like Ava was waking up at like, she was waking up early, banging out all of the assignments and was done most days by like 9 a.m. And then we would go to the beach. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and then there's kids who would just take the entire day and through the night yeah. or overnight. And then like we found like there were kids that were doing it all by themselves, you know, because their parents are still working 12 hours. Yeah. So they're getting up, like taking care of siblings. So again, this is one of those times where everybody's journey was different. So then you put everybody back in a building and you're like, okay, go back to school. And then you don't like things happen that I didn't even realize. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, we didn't think about this. We didn't prepare for this. Like, we didn't think about the fact that our third graders didn't get solid phonics instruction because it was virtual and some of them missed it. And so we have kids that are way behind in reading. So Mm. what are we doing to close that gap? And so all of these different parts and discipline and kids coming back and being like, I don't have to listen to these rules. Like, 
these rules are stupid. And, and we all know in a way school rules kind of are stupid, you know? So you take that and then you're I like, agree. kids, this kid's challenging you and they're not necessarily wrong. Yeah. But- it's like you, you, they're challenging something you have to institute that you also don't agree with. <laughs> so, and so it was just, it was really, um, and teachers are coming with the same thing. I mean, you know, we had classes of kids that just had a lot of discipline problems. And as a teacher, how do you teach? Like when you can't get half your class to stay sitting in their seat, like, um, so, so many things happen. And so I was definitely ready for the breath of fresh air. Mm. Um, and so in the beginning of this, I really just spent some time recovering, I think just like resting, replenishing my, myself, like, I think you asked me, actually, I know you did. You asked me in the fall, you and I were talking and you said to me, um, so Laura, like, what are your hobbies? And I was like, what the hell are hobbies? Like, (laughs) who has time for hobbies, Joe? Why are you asking me this? You know, but so, but then I realized like I had hobbies, like I had hobbies. I had hobbies, lots of things like I planted, I did all these things, but this last like 18 months. I lost them, you know, mm. and I think education system and then compounded with losing my sister. It was like the grief, the work stress, I shut down. So the timing has been like, okay, another door's opening. How do I navigate again into this next opportunity? Hoping it all aligns like it has in the past. The line is just, if you give it enough time, it'll straighten itself out. All right. Yeah. So we're going to switch. So this is like, hey, interview Joe, Wake Up Warrior podcast. We're going to switch to like Coach Joe real quick. So actually, uh, I guess no one knows this, but Laura is also one of the undefeated parents. She's She does the one-on-one programming. She's actually killing. I'm not supposed to say that. Probably there's some probably like oath I took. But anyway, she's absolutely destroying. She's six weeks in. Um, Laura, if you want, uh, I do have a two-week workshop. It's a vision board workshop, which sounds like super like esoteric and like Zen, but it's really just a ton of questions about like what you want to do, family, friendships, finances, your fitness. Um, if you want, we can add that into your programming over the next couple of weeks. We won't do it this week because I already sent you that stuff. But um, what I've seen, uh, and I will say, I think most more effective with moms because moms are more open to asking and answering these questions and being honest. Uh, dads, we suck in some ways, but uh, the ones who lean into it and let it happen do really well with it. But um, if you want, we can do, we can add the vision board workshop into your programming. I think it's really great for really just, uh, I think just what I like to do is just ask tough questions. You have to provide answers to them. And then um, like you talked about hobbies, things like that. Not only because you do end up making this great vision board, whether it be a physical representation or digital representation, but also there comes with it action items. So where I think vision boards kind of like go left for me, it's like, oh, if I, if I think it, it'll come to me. Well, like, I don't believe that, but I do believe that with uh, a clear vision, you can set up action items and it's not, you know, some of these things may be that you want you know, in the next month, some of them may be five years away, but as long as in some part, your action items are helpful for that. Uh, so we should add that in. I'm just throwing it out there and we'll talk more about that personally, but I will, 
edit this video and then remember to tell you. But now we're going to go back to the podcast. Hey, Wake Up Warrior podcast. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so um, as I mean, so it sounds like obviously like you're you're reconnecting with Laura. What are some of the things that you would suggest uh, that, you know, even myself, I have like eight years before I'm third chapter eligible. Um, what are some of the things that you would have done had you started thinking about the third chapter earlier that would be helpful to someone who is going to be there? So any of us that are going to be there, what are some of the things you'd suggest that they start doing now? Be as present as you can, because it's so easy to get caught in the just raising kids that you suddenly look back and you're like, whoa, how did my 10-year-old go to a 14-year-old? And how did my 14-year-old become an 18-year-old? Because it seems like it just, you, it just goes that fast. And it so really does. hindsight, I wish I would have like more present for some of the little things, you know, because as it, not only are you like, doing their activities, but you're still human too. So, you know, you're working, you're paying bills, you're, you know, you're, you have your parent, like for me, like we're doing things with my parents and um, John's parents, cause they're getting older. And so you're doing all of these things. And then suddenly you look up and you're like, Oh, Whoa, what happened? So being just really mindful and saying like, I'm going to set this time aside to just be with my kids and not let the other things be distractions and, and not just family vacation, because I think that's like completely overrated. Um, but just saying like, we're going to say we're going to have this time. And like, we've always tried to like have dinner together every night. Um, and whether that's been in the car with, you know, cheeseburgers, like we're trying to do it together. Um, and that I think those are the moments that I, leaving that I miss the most. Like I cook dinner and no one's in the kitchen with me, you know, or, you know, cause like that's when we have like our best debates is at dinner time, you know? Um, and we talk about what they're learning at school. And so those, like, those were my present moments. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments I remember more than the vacations. And I remember more than the mom's day out. Like I remember those nights or like for us, like the pandemic came at the perfect time. I know that sounds horrible, but when it came to family time, it was like perfect. It was Colton's senior year. He was getting ready to leave. We had been going a million miles an hour. And all of a sudden, we just slowed down. And then we were all in the house together. And we were watching TV each other. together. Yeah. And we were getting to know each other on a completely different level. And um, so like you tried so many again. Nights again, you, I, I got to cut you off only because you went right into mom mode. And I, uh -huh. I love that. I do love that. Uh -huh. And I do. I love the idea of like being more present with your kids. I have a good buddy mm -hmm. who said that uh, it probably one of the most powerful things I heard about parenting. He was like, sometimes you just miss your kid and they're right with you. And he was talking about like missing an older version. Like, you know, they're 18, but you missed it. Like you said, like 18, but you missed the 14 year old version 14, but mm -hmm. you missed the 10 year old. Like, yeah, I can already tell because I've seen it like kind of happen where like, Ava's really cool with holding my hand on the way to school. Like right now, like when we walk to school, she's written. I know that's going to leave. And I'm already, it hasn't even happened yet. And I'm like, damn, she's not going to want to, you know, like I can feel that. But 
for Laura specifically, uh-huh. what are some of the things that you think might have been helpful for you, like, you know, as far as the uh, knowing, I guess not even, I don't want to say knowing who you are, but your personal transition, what are some of the things that you might have done differently for your personal transition into the third chapter? So, like, I love your kids and I love your husband, but we're talking about Laura for the rest of the podcast. So I think, hmm, I would say probably the one thing that is I would have spent more time, like, tapping into myself, like, not, not like hobbies or whatever, but like really spent more time in like, what, what, what do I love? Like getting to know myself. Um, because I think like I spent this, you know, you spend like your teen years, you know, like really all about you because that's what it's supposed to be. And then, you know, I I was a mom at 22. So I kind of skipped over that. I went from, you know, kind of selfish, 21 year old to okay here I have a baby and then two older kids and now I have to be a responsible adult so I kind of just sight of who I am uh, or not say who I am I, I I don't think I ever really figured it out is the best way to Got describe it. it like okay I went from being a kid to being a parent and oh I love the honesty yes we we know that being a parent has been like my primary identity and it will still be a primary identity, but I definitely didn't invest in the other parts of myself. It was like, if you asked me what you did six months ago, like, I'm like, Oh, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a mom, I'm an educator. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter. Like, but I couldn't come up with something for me to say about myself. So I would spend more time like in what that, is um so maybe it would have made this like little period here a little less intense but at the same time like i don't regret that i didn't no, yeah, but I I, that. like if i were t- if i were sitting down like especially with like a young a young mom because like most of most of my experience comes like i have friends who waited to have kids until they were like 30 or so their journeys look completely different because by the time they were there they really had a better grasp of their identity i didn't really have a grasp of my identity you know, I was a hot mess express who became a mom, you know? Um, so once I got into that, it was like that kind of, that shaped, it really, that shaped and molded who I am. So mm-hmm. I don't know you and I saying you're having this conversation now, what it would look like had I not had these four great kids because yeah, they sure. developed who Laura is. Like they kind of helped me figure out like a little bit more about myself and um, about what I like and I don't like about myself Um, because they can sure expose it right back on me big, bigger than ever, you know? So I've always felt like, you know, while I wish I may have spent like more time with just me, um, I feel like it all put me here. So if I were talking to some young mom, I would be saying like, you know, still find things that you connect with and keep doing them you know, and it's going to change a million times, but don't give up on your stuff just because you feel like you have to fulfill a certain standard. Cause that, that was always the, I always felt conflicted. Like I got to be the mom. So I can't do this. I got to be the mom. Like, mom, so like, do this. Do this. How was, how was that, yeah. that dilemma of like, Hey, this is what Laura wants, but society's telling me this is what moms do. 
did that ever change? Just, did it always stay the same oh, or? It definitely did. Like when the kids were little, I was, I think way more kind of consumed by it. Um, mm, but then okay. as they got older and I like started, like, I think some of the fallacies peel back on it. Like, you know, I mean, up in an environment where a certain family, if they do these things or a mom does this, this is the outcome. And then I'm like looking around, I'm like, but there's no predictive outcome here, you know? And then the, the, the idea of how can I raise humans who are individuals and who I want to have, I want them to fail. Like I want them to have to work through these things. So if I do this, then I have to show them, I have to model it. And so as my kids started to struggle, you know, as they get older and it's not like grade school struggling because it's not like you go from like, okay, I'm helping my kids navigate a playground argument to, you know, your kids are dealing with stuff around drugs and sex and mental health. And when those things start to come into your house, ready. you suddenly, ha- yeah. You Call suddenly me for house. To like- Wait a minute. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, the conversations are, you have to like <laughs> pull the blinders off and you're like, okay, I can't sit up here on my ivory throne because this is crazy. Like we have to like have a real dialogue and, and talk through this. So I wish that I had a lot of that as I went, but I think if I would have been stronger connected to myself, it wouldn't have taken me so long to not feel that juggle. Like if I would have had like stronger convictions in my identity, it would have taken, you know, it, it wouldn't have been so challenging for me when they were little and like, I showed them who I was, but they were still very conflicted by it. Like I had the whole bad mom narrative, you know, and I, then I just had a place where I'm like, that's got it. Like, that's, that's bullshit. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. Like I'm showing up every day. I love my kids. That's bullshit. I <laughs> so love that. So once I hit that place, I think that gave me the freedom to be more authentic. So last five or six years, I've spent a lot more time getting comfortable with like who I am and where my boundaries are with people and relationships and, and expressing that to them in a more modeling way. Whereas as a 20, you know, 22 year old carrying around a baby, I had no clue, you know, um, oh, I love what that. that I love that. Like. I love the way you said that, like the, the, the transition of, and when you started to realize, but I think what stuck out to me most was when you're like, Oh, like, there's no predictive outcomes. It's really not. I think we're <laughs> all, uh, I think if we're all striving to do our best, uh, honestly, almost regardless of the outcome, uh, because like you said, there's so many outside influences on our kids that we have zero control over. If we are yeah. striving to do our best, I think we're the best parent that we can be. And then, like you said, also transitioning into like knowing your kid. Like, what does your kid want? And also do your best. Yep. Uh, oh, I love that. That's, um, I would like almost devil at, devil's advocate. I would say, uh, and again, I'm not in this place, uh, but being someone who just cares about people and really the, the, ch- the third chapter has been an interesting, like, I think one, because I'm, it's weird because I think I'm on, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I have in my mind. I like know what I'm doing in the third chapter, but Mm -hmm. also have a very healthy idea that it's eight years away. So that really is probably going to be very different than I'm seeing it now, but trying Mm -hmm. to help other parents get through there and, and, and live in that space without having being there. 
there's almost a sense to me that it's like talking to an 18 year old kid who's about to go uh, out into the world. It's like the world is currently telling you that, you know, to the 18 year old, the world is currently telling you college is like really the only way. And like, you have to have it. A, a high school senior is supposed to have the rest of their life figured out. Like, you know, exactly what you want to do and you know, the exact path. And if you don't, you're some kind of like pariah the same way that I think that is absolute nonsense. The idea that a parent going into the third chapter has to fully know themselves, has to know exactly what they want to do. Like it's okay to give it time, figure it out. I think for both of those individuals though, the thing that matters most is are you trying to figure it out? Are you allowing the overwhelming possibilities keep you inactive at all and you start making decisions out of desperation? Or are you just trying to – like are you figuring it out? Are you asking yourself the tough questions? Are you digging deep into – and trying stuff? You know, like I, I'm trying to get seniors, you know, juniors and seniors to do internships for no money, for no credit, just because like who knows if you – like. I had a buddy who was senior year in college did an internship with a CPA thinking he wants to be a CPA. And he straight up looked at me and was like, bro, like I'm going to hate life if I do this. And I just wasted four years learning about it. Figure that out at 17. <laughs> like, how about that? How about don't go to college yeah. for that and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. see if you can intern shadow. Um, and I don't know if you can shadow a mom who's going through this, but uh, I'm really curious to see you just, you know, and, and, I'd love to redo this a year from now, you know, when Callie's out and you really are immersing, like I would really, I'm really curious to see the striving to figure it out over the next year and then have that conversation of, yo, what's the last year been like? Hey, last time we talked, like, I want to play that. Last time we talked, you were unsure and overwhelmed, but you've been, you know, like, what have you done to me? That is the, the key for both those individuals is, are you inactive? Are you not moving? Are you not thinking about it? Because to think that, you know, like, Laura, I want to see you live another 50 years. So to think that you have to have the third chapter figured out today almost seems oh, yeah. nuts, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, Is I there any pressure to that, have it figured out? Um, I don't, I think the pressure you'd probably put is like self-imposed. Like I, like I have, I mean, obviously like, I have a lot of peers who are like going through the same thing. Like one of my close friends, her youngest is Callie's age who's leaving and she's put two out before that. Like, and then another one, like, you know, like, and I have some who have big gaps. And so it's like, there's, um, when you talk to like other moms, I, I think that there's like this pressure to have it figured out, but I think it's more of, we're putting the pressure on ourselves. Like if I said to John, like, so what are we doing with chapter three? He's going to be like, I don't know what you want to do. You know, because there's no pressure on, he's not feeling that. But I think as like a mom, it's like, I got to figure it out. I got to have something to do. Like there's this suddenly like white knuckle panic moment into it. And I know I would have been a person who would have just kind of kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Had I not just said, okay, for you to put your feet to the fire and say, Yes, this is about chapter three, but it's also about yourself. Like, what are you doing? You're you and, you know, you have to live in your skin forever. So 
what are you doing to make sure that when you are by yourself or, you know, that you're feeling that sense of fulfillment, you know, like, and then there's that other sense of modeling to your adult children. So like when they call and they say like, I hate this job that I thought I was going to love, or this isn't working out for me. Um, you know, we've been like Megan's further, she's 26, she's further in that. So we've had trial and errors with jobs and it's suddenly like, well, if I just keep doing the same shitty job that she knows I don't like, how am I teaching her to, Gosh. to tap into what feels so the modeling good never make, ends. It never ends. Oh. Right. Like it's, it's non going. And then I think like someday there's going to be grandkids, you know, I mean, four kids, that's odds that one day it's going to happen. Can't wait. And so then it's like, what am I, you know, what, what do I, I, I want to be grandma, but I also want to be like grandma, you know, and how am I going to have a grandma role, you know? So it's, it's, it's there. And it's that constant moving thing. And I think, cause I know, I don't want to use the term more, but I want more for myself than I've got to do the work to get there. So in a year it will be like, I don't, I, I know that it'll look completely different. Um, and there'll be a lot of bumps and stumbles and falls along the way and, um, good days and bad days, but it's just like connect, like connecting all the pieces of myself. Cause I feel like there and I'm just like, Oh, there's one, there's one. And I just haven't put them together yet. It's kind of the best analogy. I love that. Do you have any questions for me? I'm so what we're going to do and this is, I'm going to give you like a little bit of time to get ready. Cause at the, uh, I'm just going to ask, like, I'm going to ask all kinds of weird questions, things that have come up from the interview, things that I'm just curious about, um, just because I get to know you so well outside of this. Um, and so is there any questions that you have for me? Anything that like you're curious, like, yeah. I, so you said that you, you have like your romantic version of chapter three. Yeah. Even though you know that it might change, but <clears throat> what is your version? Just because okay. I like to hear everyone's versions. Because I might this feel is, a little This is like in detail. Okay. So chapter three for me is in my mind. I am renting out the house that we currently, the townhouse that we currently live in. And I am living in the van that we bought, w which would be like from two or three years from now. Um, so I'm living in the van. And uh, I drop Ava off at school or she is working towards whatever she wants to do. Um, but in my mind, she's got four years of dad being here, um, in the United States. So, uh, whether it's school or other endeavor, I am super fluid on that. Like, I just want her to be happy. Kind of like what you guys were saying. She's got four years. Uh, and that coincides with one month in every state in the U S. So a lot of the online stuff that I'm doing, the podcast, like all of the things that I'm kind of involving the business in now can be remote eventually. And so like the remote coaching with you, the podcast, the online mm -hmm. uh, PDFs and stuff, like all of that can be remote. So I want to continue to work, but I want to spend one month in every state, continental state of the U.S. That'll be four years. After the four years, um, hopefully she's slightly more established or she's graduating. Um, and I like the idea of being in the U.S. for four years because I feel like there were definitely some moments I probably should have called my parents to come help or maybe I didn't, but like, I want to be mm -hmm. close enough to where like I can park the van, fly in, take care of some stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm moving her out later. Like something happens because it does. I want to be kind of close. Um, as she gets established though, after the four years, I know this again, we're going all the way in here. 
Um, and I love getting on record because I've never actually done this. Uh, after the four years, I want to three to four month it in different countries where it's more immersion, like similar, still running the business, hopefully. But um, I don't like I love I love vacations. I love like going to places, but I love going to places and like finding a coffee shop and like really like, I want to learn a couple of different languages. I want to really get to know like psychology, I guess anthropology would have been now would have been a great career track for me because I just love learning about people. I think it helps us connect. I think it helps us move differently, understand differently, uh, deal with people better. Like you were saying earlier, like the better you know someone, the better you can mm -hmm. lead them. And uh, not world domination, but I will know a lot of people. Um, so I want to do that essentially until okay. if Ava decides to have kids. And then I want to, I guess, helicopter grandfather, <laughs> um, where during the school year, I don't want to live with them, but I want to be close enough to where if it's okay, I can be the grand, like grandpa can stay with, yeah, you can stay with grandpa for the weekend, but also like want to be like, if Ava's doing some kind of thing, I can be the pickup grandpa. The, mm -hmm. Like I a hundred percent believe that me driving Ava to school and picking her up that 30 minutes because she goes to a magnet school is the reason why we're close. 100% believe that. So I want to kind of, if I can, get that with my grandkid. My mom does that with Ava when she's here, snowboarding. So, like, mm -hmm. really see how that strengthens the connection. Um, and then in the summers, I want them, the one, or if she has multiple kids, I want them for two weeks in whatever spot that I go to. So that yeah. starting young, they can kind of get the same, like, I think I've learned so much about myself but also how to handle people by immersing in different cultures. So taking them for two weeks, but then the rest of the summer I'm out. I'm, I'm in that spot. I'm gone. Um, and kind of like snowboarding, but not like school birding. School birding. I like that. Is my, that, that right there is the third chapter okay. in Joe McMiller's 37 year old version right okay. now. And then I just ride that out. Like to me, like that is a to the end. phenomenal life. <laughs> Um, obviously with some caveats, I'm sure things will change, but for me, that's, that's how I see, like, I'm setting that up the best way that I, like I told you about the vision board, my vision board is essentially that. And a lot of my current movements are setting me up for things along the way. I call them checkpoints, but also like, that's where I'm headed currently with the full knowledge that I could go to sleep tonight wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm not doing any of that shit. I want to do this now. Um, yeah. I think most of that, I, I find it hard to believe that most of that won't happen just because of the nomad in me. But if it has kids earlier than expected, that changes. Like, um, you know, there, there are so many clear variables that would change mm -hmm. that for me but uh right now that is the plan <laughs> and 15 minutes later that's joe mcmiller's third chapter <laughs> i love it yeah and and honestly that came from again having a lot of conversations with people who are transitioning into the third chapter like for me it was like okay what does 5 10 15 years look like and mm -hmm. um i think 
where I, and I'm not there yet. So I'm, I don't want to say like, Oh, I'm not overwhelmed. Like I think where I've kind of made peace with it. Cause I was really overwhelmed, which is odd, right? Like she's 10. I was really over like, what is this next thing look like? Um, I think some of that kind of took care of itself. Once I had the plan, knowing that the plan is not going to look exactly how I see it. But just the, like the motion, like I've always said, uh, like motion creates emotion, just the direction itself, right. Has helped any anxiety that I had for that, or even just like in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. That was a, I, I, I get really, I, I get really. <laughs> no, that's I, no, I love hearing that because it's like, it, it, it all, I mean, like see a theme with like 70 people, like they want to give their kids space, but they still want to be able to be a part of that chapter for them. Too. Oh, definitely. So when you said true. that I was with that. Yeah. Like it's and then like, so for our situation, because our kids are going to be all over the place and we, we know that we have to be portable, you know, like they're not going to be, there's four of them. Yeah. Like, you know, they're never going to all be in the same town at the same time. So we've got to be the ones to be like, okay, it's time to go. You know, it's Jade's time. It's Colton's time. It's Callie's Conversion time. Conversion van. Conversion van. You can yep. just pull up anywhere. Yep. That's, and we're thinking about that actually. So, yeah. I even know, I mean, obviously the van will change for sure, but like mm-hmm. I've seen the van, like I know the van that <laughs> in I In your want. mind. Uh, no, I've seen it. I mean, with a couple tweaks, okay. there's, there's this VW bug that was converted you with uh uh yeah just beautifully i'm not <laughs> i might throw Love that it. picture up here somewhere that video but beautiful conversion with everything that i would need off grid on grid it has a sleeper upstairs so like if ava or the, the grandkids want to come like they have their own like yeah anyway um i got a couple i have a couple questions for you i'm gonna start off with your like i know that your brain goes to like other people first so i'm gonna start off with other people questions and then we're just gonna rapid fire on Laura herself. Um, okay. First question is, what would you say? Uh, obviously, like you, you and John have been married for quite a while. Uh, it seems like you guys are making it work uh, really well at a high level, just from the outside looking in. What would you say is the pillar, or like if you were to give it one or two things? What's led to such a strong connection between you and the husband, John? Forgiveness Mm. and true forgiveness, not just like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgive you. But like, no, I don't forgive you right now. And you're going to have to give me a hell of a lot more time to figure this out. You know, like, but forgiveness and the patience that goes with that, as well as carving that time aside. Like we've all like since day one, I mean, we've always just been like, okay, here, somebody, Colton, you need to go to babysitters where we need to go spend a couple hours to do something. So we've always just kind of let that, that be a central priority. So those, especially when you have big chunks of time apart. So forgiveness and, and making it a priority to just spend time together. For When it comes to the kids, um, outside of managing the different personalities, what would be the best and worst, uh, the, the best advice that you got as a parent, the advice that you would give as a parent, and the worst advice that you got as a parent? Okay. The best advice I got as a parent was, um, that unconditional love has to be unconditional. 
Mm. And it sounds very cheesy, but like to be unconditional. Like you can't withhold your love from your kids because they're not behaving a way that you want them to, you know, um, you can't, you you can't like unconditional love has to be unconditional. unconditional. Um, I love that. I actually love that. And And it has to be all the time, every time, you know, and I think that's probably something that John and I probably carried into our marriage too. So let love lead the way. Yeah. Like if you love someone unconditionally, then you love them when they're a hot mess and you love them when they're at their full success and beauty. And so I think that's always been the catalyst for parenting, like the the best advice. Um, The, that, that would probably really be the same advice I would give someone is, you know, the two things is your, your kids are humans. And you have to love them for the human that they are, not the human you want them to be. Um, oh, I love that one. You know, like they're 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 going to be messy and their own selves, but we we have to, you know, we just have to show up and love them every day. For and then that. the worst um, advice you, you got. And the worst advice I got was, you know, like you're the parents, you know, you're in control, you know. Um, and and I actually like took a class years ago that was like. Like, take your authority. And I'm like, Oh, okay. well, I have authority, but I don't need to take it. I'm going to make sure we earn that. You know, like they're going to know that yeah. mom means business, but <laughs> I don't ever want my kids to be afraid of me. So like shifting away from that kind of authoritative mindset. Wow. Okay. I love all of those. Um, if you were to choose today, what is the job that you're afraid to admit that you'd love to have? Um, a professional writer. Really? Speaking of that, I even mentioned it, the blog. You got to check out her blog, which is in construction, but also already up. And um, I see where Callie gets her great writing ability from, or maybe vice versa. I don't know, because uh, Callie has a blog as well. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you learn more from them than vice versa. Um, so to, we'll get, we got a couple more questions, but tell me a little bit about the blog. Um, what is it currently, and what is it transitioning to? And I definitely want to know the book that you want to write. So the blog is, it's, I, I kind of started it when I was in my beginning stages of my recovering educator phase. Yeah. Um, it kind of was like an AA blog. meeting. It was kind of like, I, I'm sorry, I'll let you describe, but it was low key, like a T, a TA, Teachers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of threw that out there. Um, I am like, that's what I'm working on is, is kind of recreating it and reinventing it. Um, it's probably definitely like, I definitely can't abandon education because that's my heart and it, it needs, it needs like so much and it needs so much love, but it's definitely going to connect back to, I think, to the parenting side, because as an educator, I can teach and train educators a hundred different ways um, to, to run a classroom, to be in a classroom. But kids need love at home and they need to be able to show up to school and be ready to learn. And so just connecting all of those pieces together um, is kind of the direction I'm going into. So kind of finding a way to bridge the two. Mm, I love that. And that's so, so, okay. It's, it's certainly becoming a bridge, you said. So what's the book that you would write? Um, I honestly would actually probably write a book about my experience as a military spouse. Um, because that like decade, just 12 years, just completely shapes who I am. Um, it, it just, it did like, it taught me things about myself that I didn't know were humanly possible. So, um, I think in like, just 
about that experience and the grit that goes into that and the, the relationships around that and the people I met from that. And um, yeah. That's What's advice really that you would give a military wife currently? Um, you have to love yourself first. Like, you know, I, the, the best analogy I can have is like when you're married to someone who's in the military and who is like married to your spouse is married to the military. So you're going to have to be the other woman. Contractually obligated. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So it's like your spouse is married to two things, you and that. And so you have to give them the patience and respect and love around that because you know that like I just had to come to a place like, John has to make decisions because that's his job, not because he doesn't want to be my husband or he doesn't want to be the kid's dad. So it's like having the perspective, especially when you have the societal pressures of what a family looks like and knowing Mm. that you're going to be alone sometimes and how do you feel the loneliness? And so it's just really connecting. Like I connected with myself um, a lot, but knowing that like I loved myself, like at the end of the day, like I have to love myself to get out of bed and, to get through my day because no one's going to be here to love me besides these little kids, you know? So really just connecting with that part of myself and saying like, I can, I can do anything. It's resiliency. Like it teaches you that and you got to be able to connect to it and be humble with it. So, I mean, obviously I, I think we all go through tough times all the time. I mean, like not all the time, but I think throughout life, we're always going to have the tough times, um, whether it be from that experience or otherwise. Um, just for parents in general, what advice or what do you use to get through the tough times? Like what are your, I guess, coping mechanisms or during a tough time, what do you use to get to the other side? I'm in this for a reason. Like I always say that to myself, like even when it sucks and it's hard, but like, it's not getting to the other side. It's why am I here? And what am I supposed to take from this? Like, Mm. what is the growth point in this? Or not even the growth point, but what am I supposed to learn through this? Because I don't, like, I, I, like, the whole Buddhist philosophy, like, suffering is a reality. It is. Like, we need that. That's how we grow. If we don't suffer, we don't get better. If everything's great all the time, we don't grow. Like, we just, just feel like a plant that was in sunshine all the time. Like, you have to find, like, you have to be able to look at something and say, like, this is going to pass. You know, like, I would always reassure myself, like, no matter like no matter what happens like this will be over right <laughs> something else is coming um but the question is like what can i take from this and even in the times that i couldn't connect to that just cuz emotionally i wasn't capable at the time it was like i'm here this is what i'm doing right now and i'm just going to put my head down and i'm going to do it and then i'm going to sit back and i'm going to think about this when it's safe for me to do that um so the the key is like I don't think there's any, there's no like rainbow rosy cloud that's going to do it other than to say to yourself, like, why am I here? How did I get here? What's in my control? What's out of my control? And then at the end of the day, what can I take from that? And there are days where it's so, it's it's so hard that you're like, I can't, there's nothing I can take from this, right? Like this, this just sucks. But this is just going to embrace the suck. This is just going to be ass. And here we go. Buckle up. And I'm just, gonna do it. Yep. I'm just gonna do it. And then usually on the other side, it's like, okay, well, what did I learn? I always, anytime I'd embrace the suck, I learned something about myself. I learned I could push myself in a different way or I could, 
or I couldn't push myself in a different way. Like, okay, girl, you got to set a boundary, you know? So connecting to each one of those points and saying like, what am I learning from this and why am I learning it? Mm. For me, the answer is selfishness. Um, Moving on to the next question. For me, the answer is selfishness. I think what I want the third chapter to reveal about, not reveal about myself, but the part of me that I want to tap into um, is I, not that I want it to be about me, but I'm a nomad at heart. I am a selfish person at heart and have made Ava priority just because I feel like as a father, that's what's important to me, not because of someone else, but her, like that is my most important role in my opinion right now. Um, so for me, the next chapter, uh, looking at it right now, and I'm sure it may change, um, taking back some of the selfishness that I have and being able to embrace those things is uh, what I'm hoping I find in the next chapter. What is something that you're hoping the next chapter either reveals about you or allows you to reimmerse in um, once you find that direction for yourself? Self-actualization. Like I want to, I want to connect to my purpose. Um, Mm. I know that it's there, but like, I really want to connect to it. I want to live in it and I want to experience it. So the next chapter for me is like in finding myself and, you know, pushing myself to that fullest potential as a person. Love that. Love that. Oh, that's so amazing. Uh, We're going to end it there. We're just going to cut it now. Um, Thanks to everyone who's listening, watching, wherever you're watching um, to the Wake Up Warrior podcast. Laura, thank you for all of the gems that you just blessed us with. Uh, And for me, giving me that, like, uh, honestly, this is one of those self, uh, being selfish. Um, This is one of those things where I, again, love having conversations with people who are already there because there is, I mean, like you said, there's certain uncertainty that comes with it. So um, to hear some of the things that you're already kind of like going through, but also managing so beautifully, it's pretty wild to see that. No, don't make that face. I mean, like what I just heard was like putting all the things together, like, yes, it's overwhelming. It sounds like, but Mm -hmm. like you said, like, what are you taking from it? Like seeing, I think someone who can admit it's a lot and you don't have it figured out. But then also the mentality is I'm going to, I'm going to take something from this. And what was cool, because I think you mentioned it when it was coming to Megan, like I'm also going to make the right decision for me because I know that four other people are watching me make this decision as well as what it's going to mean for me. Like, I think that's, I don't know, I thought that was beautiful. I thought it was really cool. And that was just things I hadn't, like, I hadn't even thought about the fact that as a grandfather, as a an adult without kids in the house, like, Ava's still going to be watching me and how I move and how I operate. That was that was really, really smooth. Um, if you want to find out more about Laura, you can find all of the things in the description here, uh, whether it be on YouTube or one of the podcasting platforms. Um, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it because she's awesome. Um, and there's going to be lots of on-the-screen stuff. If you're listening to, to it somewhere, please share it with somebody. Please rate it. Please review it. All of those things. Sorry, Laura. This is the part where I have to like ask people to like, help me out because I need to be in the van at some point. And so sharing now allows me to get more van time later. And I appreciate everyone who does it. Um, do you want to say anything in closing? Do you have anything? I, I let you ask one question. Um, but if you have any others, please let me know. 
otherwise? No, I just want to like thank you for the opportunity. I think there's a little emotional piece in just talking about it, like something else to take back. And I love talking to you and um, I love what you've done for my family, uh, near, far, in of my house, out of my house. Like, I feel like you're an extension of that. So oh, thank we you. super appreciate you and what you do in your work. So um, thank you. I appreciate it always. And honestly, I think I might just add Callie's speech to the end of this just because she's awesome. Um, I think she might like that as well. So if you listened to all the way to the end, you get to hear Callie's uh, um, signing day speech because she's going to WPI. Shout out to them because they got a gem. They got an absolute gem in uh, Callie Allison. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening all this way. And uh, take care and be well. Thanks, Flora.